Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fried Wargaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance. I'm Joe. And I'm John. And today, we are going to do what we thought would be a, a really, just a quick little video. Um, and as we were doing notes, we realized it's not. Uh, so you're going to see this as a podcast that was not the plan when we sat down and the uh, we could have tried to rein it all in and maybe talk less, but absolutely not. Uh, we are completely average dudes with the podcast. We will not stop talking, much to everyone's chagrin. Um, mm -hmm. We have been special interesting on Conquest, The Last Argument of Keegs, for months now. And uh, yes. there's no slowing down. <laughs> it's We're planning on playing Christmas games. Over Christmas weekend. Um, and... We have dove into this game really deeply uh, and looking around sort of on YouTube. Uh, one of the things that's kind of hard to find is a a touch base for all of the factions in one place. Not like faction focus individually in videos, which we'll do eventually. But if you're a new person looking to get into Conquest, what are the factions in front of you? And sort of what's their flavor in the setting, the narrative? Uh, just quickly, like, what do they do on the tabletop? Can someone talk me through this? And then, uh, we are going to end each of these factions with, uh, what we think is really cool about them, because let, let's be honest, like, people come to this channel largely because they want conversational, more casual-oriented descriptions, so we're not going to give you the math. We're going to give you a little bit of a zoomed-out perspective, and hopefully it's helpful for somebody out there if you're considering getting into this incredible game. Uh, yeah. And like a kind of a word from the top, right? Is that this is still a relatively new game. Um, and armies change often. So I think it's important that if you are going to engage with a new game and invest the money and time into it, that you like what the faction is beyond just its current like iteration of meta. Mm -hmm. And that you actually enjoy like the models, the aesthetics, the story, the general vibe of the rules, and not just like the specifics of the rules. Um, because you don't and you then you go in just for like a current strategy you probably will end up in a situation where you're like well now i have to get a new faction because like i didn't fall in love with the faction i played i started with i i only got in for one list and like yeah. the list will change it, it, over time i mean uh some other games out there that like people might have found the channel for is like uh age of sigmar and 40k that like 40k has been out for decades and mm -hmm. factions change there uh, often and for a younger game like conquest that's certainly gonna be the same so just like maybe take a higher perspective on it and hopefully we can maybe get you there uh normally this is where we hop into hobby time and games played play music All right, John, I have a feeling this one's going to be fairly quickly. What have you been up to? Mm -hmm. uh, so, Hobby Progress is not a lot more from the last time we talked. Uh, built a chieftain, built some more bread, mm -hmm. um, and been reading an astronomical amount about Conquest lore. 
I mean, truly, like, an astronomical amount. It feels like sifting through ancient texts to find little nuggets of information and putting them on, a, like, a corkboard to tie to with red string so I can understand the A Pepe Sylvia board, if you will. Yes. Like, that has been me with Conquest for the last couple of weeks. Um, that's really it. I haven't been able to play more games. We're changing that soon. We're going to be getting together, and we're probably going to play, like, six back-to-back, because I know us. This weekend. Like, yeah, days away. Yes. Days away. Mm-hmm really exciting it's gonna be a good time um similar over here i haven't played more conquest but i have been hobbying uh i built up another stand of trolls because i need it for my like we're doing this league and my next step up i'm gonna need another stand of trolls so i got those built uh i also then got all four of the stands of trolls that i need for this upcoming step up primed zenithald and now i'm hammering through base coats um and I started with the big colors first, the blues, the the leathers, and now I'm working on like the smaller stuff, hair and bone. Uh, but after I hammer out, the, I'm almost done with the base coats, and after they're hammered out, I'll have to come in and you know start doing highlights and wash them. Um, so hobbying is happening. It's just I got more to do, uh, even for this weekend. But like John and I are going to get together and play some conquest games. I have to build an ice giant, and also another stand of huskarls. Uh, but it's going to be fun. I want to put a monster on the table so bad it hurts to see how much that changes my, like, my interaction with the game. Because I have yet to see a big monster. Not like a true proper monster. Uh, and I really want to throw 14 cleave to attacks at John. And then ice spell. Let's go. I'm going to send raptors in there so your cleave does nothing. That's what the 14 attacks is for. <laughs> At terrifying two or terrifying three, something like that. A. Um, but yeah, just there's so much on the horizon, uh, but not a lot getting done. Because let's be honest, it's also the holiday season, so games are slowing down as we're getting close to, uh, you know, Christmas and New Year's. That's why we want to record this early. So maybe we could get you a little bit of prep idea in case you maybe get a bunch of gift cards for Christmas and you're looking to get a faction. Let's talk about it. All right, John. I think we have to say this from the top. We, we These are going to be briefed by our standards. These ain't going to be briefed by maybe like the, you know, the definition of the word. It's not like TikTok brief. Uh, but it's it's a little bit longer. No 25 seconds longer. or less for algorithm. No, 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 no. We have thoughts. Yeah. We have opinions. Um, yes. And to disclaim at the top, we are not experts of Conquest. Um, we got into this game oh. over the past like two months and have dove hard into it. We've read a bunch of the lore. We've done research on lists people take and trolled around in discords. We've played like a dozen games a piece here. Uh, yep. But each of us have played a dozen games at this point. Um, we're looking down the barrel of playing more. We're getting more and more invested. We're reading short stories. Uh, we are very, very interested. We're enthusiastic, but we are not experts. So if no. you are wanting that sort of uh, commentary, I just got to be honest. You're not going to get it here. Yeah, and I think like really what we're trying to provide for folks is someone similar in our boat where like they maybe have just started getting into it or maybe they're wanting to get other people into it or maybe they themselves are looking at it as a 
game to play and are going, there's not a lot of like descriptive content out there to explain in easy terms what I want to play. Um, and we are trying to pitch these factions to you as why you should play them, why they're cool, and what's interesting about them. And in a lot of ways, how they relate to other armies and other games as like touchstones for you. So that you know kind of what you're getting into. It's going to be a little different. It's not going to be like a one-for-one in any instance. But like having something to go off of I think really helps. Because the rules can be kind of overwhelming at first. Where you're like, well, I don't know what all these keywords do. Or what that even means. (laughs) We're going to try to like take everything we know from having played against most of these factions at this point. Kind of condensed down. Uh, Between the two of us, I think we have played against every one of these factions. Uh, I believe so, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have. Um, or we play them, like one of the two. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, like, let's be honest. Like, hobby dollars, they're not infinite. And if you're going to spend them to get into a game, like, anything we could do to help folks spend that money well and get the most fun out of their time and effort, like, why, why wouldn't we try to help y'all do that? So, maybe our enthusiasm will be more helpful in this instance than, like, big top-level commentary. Um, but if we're going to talk about factions in a game, uh, for people who are just getting interested, you're wanting something that you can use as a way to pick a faction, to get to grips with it, to understand it. I think we should start at the human level. Uh, and like for me, there's nothing more human level, nothing more relatable than the hundred kingdoms in conquest because they are literally the everyman. Yeah, they're the dudes. Um, For those of you who have come from Warner Fantasy or Age of Sigmar, think like the Empire or city-states. If those words mean... um, Sorry, cities of Sigmar, not city-states. If those words mean nothing to you, think like medieval European uh, wars of conquest. War of the Roses is sort of a a good time period to put in your head. We're talking plate mail, but we aren't to the point where like people are running around with a, uh, you know blunderbusses or anything like that. Like gunpowder isn't really in the picture for them, at least not yet. I don't believe um, we're talking crossbows. We're talking plate mail. We're talking heavy cav, that sort of picture. Yeah. Uh, the uh, very classic fantasy, very, very cool. Aesthetically super fun, but they are just the dudes. Like they are humans. If you want to be <laughs> humans in a world full of like gods and monsters, this is for you. Yeah. Um, and in the fluff, they are, a remnant of a huge event that happened in the setting. Uh, there was a large empire called the Old Dominion, and we will talk about them later. Uh, but they were an expansionist empire that ruled a lot of the realm uh, that would push wider and wider with a large structured military might uh, backed by a god that they worshipped. Uh, and eventually that empire shattered violently. Really violently. Uh, and when it shattered, it was cataclysmic, it was magical, they tried to fight their god, it did not go well, and the the fallout was horrific. Uh, an incredible portion of the populace just died, uh, but many ended up able to flee in small groups. These little sort of huddles of refugees in the world fleeing the fall of their empire. Uh, and they fled west in these groups around sort of... Uh, well-researched or uh, charismatic or strong leaders who, as they fled west and found safety, 
started their own little villages just as a way to survive their own little tribes. Um, and those tribes became tiny, tiny towns and then eventually cities and now whole kingdoms for some of them. Hence the name, yep. the 100 kingdoms. Uh, they are yep. the, the remnants of those refugees who fled for their lives. Many and years being later. like being like normal humans with not a lot of access to like crazy monsters and stuff like that, they tend to just work together to deal with conflicts, even like politically. Like they will have multiple fiefdoms joining together to fight against a thing. Very Game which of Thrones esque. Like very Game of Thrones esque. Um, they do have magic, which is cool. Like they have some wizards, some pretty good ones. Um, they are not completely devoid of magical power, but like, again, like you have a, a wizard who's a normal dude who can maybe throw a small bit of magic, as opposed to some people who have giants and like T Rexes and like animated undead golems. Like, it's yeah, on the fantasy scale here, you're on the lower end, but for people who like this faction, that's a pro rather than a con. Yes. Um, and on the tabletop, like, John mentioned that they're a lot about working together to accomplish a goal, and that's even true on the tabletop. Uh, this is, for me, the a, like the exemplar of a combined arms faction. And when I say that, I don't just mean that, like, oh, I take, like, a one cav unit, I take one ranged unit, and then a sea of foot troops. I'm technically combined arm. I mean that they could play well in any of the spaces, and you can lean into that, or you can bring a mix of all of them and each really do some work to try to accomplish your goal. Um, especially leaning into some good leader combos uh, and through the use of combined arms, you could kind of pressure the table in different ways where you need to. You know, if you uh, need to really reach out and like dwindle a unit a little bit at range, that's fine. You got crossbows, you got sorcerers. You can reach out and make that happen, even at a distance. Uh, if you need to stand on a point and hold that for a long time, you have some heavily armored foot knights that can really, really take a beating and keep on ticking. Uh, or you could drown them in bodies with big pikemen formations, which I've seen. They're pretty scary with some support. You can really gum up the works. Or if you want to absolutely obliterate the hardest target they have, uh, there are some big cav units with some heroes that, oh, buddy, hit like a comet. Um, and if you come in with a generalist mindset, you, with some skill and some strategy, could probably find a way to victory through this like incredible toolbox kit of units you could take. Yeah. And I just... that. Uh, I think that's cool. I just do. Yeah. They are a very interesting faction. And to be honest, one of the factions I almost hopped directly into. Um, it is not, though. Maybe in the future, because this game's really cool. But not yet. And, but not yet. And for me, though, like, if I have... Every one of these, we're just going to stop and say what we think is cool. Like, for me, I'm going to just be honest. It's the heavy calf. Like, it's it's the big old barded horses. Like, it's colossal destriers. Uh, with armor plating, with equally armored knights on horseback. And, like, this is a thing you see in fantasy games a lot. But, like, I often don't think it sells it well. Like, in other games I have played. They never quite I, hit with the oomph they should. 
And yeah, and it doesn't feel like it's cavalry hitting on a charge. It feels like a thing that gets slightly better in combat because it charged. Yes, like in other games, this feels like it charged. Therefore, yeah, I ain't gonna like call out nothing specifically, but sometimes it's just like, did you make a charge? You get a plus one to something, and like that doesn't do the business for me. Like when I mean, obviously, y'all, we live in Kentucky. Like I, I know me some horses. Uh, When you stand next to something like a giant Clydesdale, like a truly massive horse, and you get a sense of that scale of that weight. And you ride an animal that big, you have an understanding of how much power they have, how much force, how hard they could pull, how hard they could push. And that if they were so inclined, they could badly hurt you. Um, Now take that and juice it up with possibly some magic, uh, cover it in armor, put an equally trained and armored knight on it, and then send it hurtling into the flank of something at speed. With weaponry on it. And historically, I mean, sometimes you would just shatter formations that way. And on impact. And here, you can. Uh, Impact hits are a thing. You do damage just for touching them. And then you can do actual melee swings after. There's leadership involved. It just, uh, it, it hits so hard. And I love the feel of that impact, even when it obliterated my own stuff. (laughs) <laughs> it's just, yes it's just cool it's a great sell of the fantasy yes like it is very like it was almost surprising the first time i saw it like not to go on too much of a tangent for cavalry real quick no we're gonna go on like, a tangent for cavalry it's a podcast episode not a lore video uh seeing <laughs> seeing cavalry hit like cavalry should in this game at first i was like wow that seems nuts and then like the more i think about it, the more I'm like wow that seems nuts and it should it's cavalry mm-hmm. they're terrifying <laughs> They're so scary. And that's great. That's my favorite thing about this. Uh, yeah, my favorite thing about the Hunter Kingdoms is much simpler. Uh, I love crossbows. I feel like often in a lot of games, crossbows don't get the unique di- di- like difference that longbows get. Um, and I like that in 100 Kingdoms, the different range units have very different purposes based off of the, the actual ranged implement they're using. It's not like, oh, crossbows are just a little bit harder hitting. Like, no, like, there's actually like a difference from bringing crossbows and a difference from bringing longbows in both range, stopping power, ability, what they can do. Like, it is it is interesting, and the fact that you want to use them in different tar- against different targets is unique and fun to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been um, shot at by uh, two or three separate types of ranged units from 100 Kingdoms, and each one felt a little different, and that was cool. Because mm-hmm. looking at yep. them on the board as the opponent across the table, I didn't necessarily think... That would be the case, but it was like a nice surprise. Yeah. That's hard to do. It's cool. Um, but it's time to talk about the next faction. Yeah, we've kind of set your, we've wet your whistle with like, oh, let's talk about a little bit of lower fantasy. And oh, buddy, we are changing now. <laughs> we have yeah, shifted we are gonna from go first to, to sixth. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go to Spires, which was in the original starter set, it was 100 Kingdoms versus Spires. And Spires are unique. They're space aliens. Like, I, I'm not even going to... I'm going to rip off the band-aid. I'm not going to beat her out of the bush. They're space aliens. Like, that that meme uh, or the guy that's just like, aliens. That's the Spires. They're the aliens yes. in question. If, if you took way too much painkiller on accident after surgery and then fell in and out of consciousness in a fugue state fever dream watching Ancient Aliens on Rerun on History Channel, 
and you really like just sort of got the idea dumped into your brain pan subconsciously against your will that aliens have come to earth from out of the space and are using culture and experimentation to manipulate humanity and get their way. You're right. This is that faction. Uh, yes, this, this is the ancient aliens faction of <laughs> quest. <laughs> um, they're also objectively the bad guys. Oh, they're pretty, they're wicked. not good. They're not good people. Like you might have some people who are going to be like, Oh, well they're not there. No, they're terrible. They are absolutely horrible. They're um, gleefully wicked. Uh, in a very so bad, way. so bad they were exiled from their own race. Like they're exiled to this this planet, um, and they're flesh crafters. They they do something called biomancy, where they alter like different biological components of different things, and also just as we'll touch on later, create entire species or alter existing species to do what they want um, for their own means because they don't actually uh, take part in combat themselves. They create these like vat made drones where they just embody with like like their own personality or consciousness, and sometimes they just don't, and they just let them be these like semi sentient slash mindless drones that have like four hours to live, and just die in conflict for them for them to have their own machinations and plans. Yeah, they're yeah they're the worst type of alien space elf. It's awesome. Uh, I despise them, but they're such a good antagonist. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, literally, they're invaders from the stars, and uh, they were exiled from their race uh, and came here and decided that through their biomancy and their experiments, they could just make this place their home and get what they want here. Uh, and they are truly alien and very unique to Conquest, like, aesthetically and art-wise. So, uh, like, take a look at some of the art we're going to be posting up in this oh, video. Oh, there's one in particular I'm going to demand we put up that is incredible. Uh, yeah, it, it's just... That, that guy on that throne, hot. his weird head, like, it's... Uh, it's yeah, it, like, awesome. it's, it's hard to look at in some ways, but in a good way. Um, but on the table, right, like, we're, we're going to talk about how they play. And it's like the last one is a little bit easier because you see, you can understand what like a human faction looks like playing on a table with like regiments of soldiers defending and creating lines with like range support and cavalry hitting the flanks. Spires don't really work that way. Um, they are much more tricky. They don't really care about having a little bit of everything. They really want to lean into specific combos and synergies to really like Push a thing where they want it, make a machine on the table that wins them the game, and prevent you from destroying it. Yeah. Um, they're very similar, like Skaven, I think is a good example in AOS. Um, using a ton of heroes, a ton of tech pieces, and they just really are all about figuring out how, how to combo themselves into victory. Yeah. Uh and they have a ton of abilities, but it's super unique and fun. Yeah, every hero is very, very sort of like specific and weird and alien, but in their own purposeful way. Uh, another hero that I just think looks incredible really sells how like wild they are is the Mimetic Assassin who we'll put up. Uh, every one of them you look at and you go, wow, you look like you're only designed to do one thing. And you're right. Because <laughs> uh, that yes. dude is not compatible. It's not compatible with everyday life. <laughs> um I really, like, one of the things I think is interesting about the Spire that makes them unique is, like, every one of these heroes has their own unique pop-off abilities, their own synergies, their own combos. 
Uh, and a lot of those means you are going to look at a unit and say, I'm going to make you better for a turn. I'm going to essentially overcharge your bodies. And I'm going to give you an ability like Burnout, where I'm going to let you like be a supercharged, turboed god for a minute. I'm not going to give you a, like, a well-measured wet shot of NOS. Like, we're just dumping it straight into the engine here. Uh, and that means you're going to explode uh, and die. But that's a sacrifice I'm willing for you to make. Uh, and the Spires have a lot of that. That, uh, you know, expendable units, I just, you're only going to live for four hours anyway. So I'm just going to let you die for my machinations and my schemes. Uh, and if you explode, that's cool. Kill something bigger than you before you die, please. Uh, and mm -hmm. I'm going to save this flesh crafting and healing for me and my actually valuable minions, not the pawns. Uh, it, it's, it's devilish, but it's cool. And if you're someone who likes combos, you like list building, you like some diversity and like a purposeful list drive experience, Spires, probably for you. Uh, yeah, and and sort of aesthetically, they're Lovecraftian nightmare creatures that if you appeal to, if, if the concept of alien appeals to you and different and weird, you will probably find this endearing. And if you don't mind playing someone who is like a baddie, it's they're pretty baddie. They're not all necessarily so like black and white, but let's be honest, a lot of them are callous and cruel as a baseline. But for some people, that's a fun type of compelling narrative to play around with them. Um, and for me, sort of like the thing that I think is coolest about Spires, what makes them cool is that they're so unique. I don't know another yeah. faction in another game that's like this. Uh, yeah, I think rules wise, you can find a couple of things that are similar because uh, I largely agree with you. Like that's also the thing I'm the most interested in. Um, but I think aesthetically, this is so unique yes. that I, I, nothing else is like it like you see it and you're like wow that is wild it, and uh it, like some of the sculpts are older fair enough but like the art design for that faction is just nutty it's so cool it is off-putting and also a sort of like intriguing uh like i don't want to look at a lot of those models but i also kind of want to look at some of those models like i i it's awesome. It's just incredible. Yes. Incredible job selling this force. And it really sells the idea that like it is, they're not just like slapping together two different types of biologies. Like they are just wholly making them these stitched together monstrosities that don't like they make sense when you look at them, except they really don't because your brain's trying to move in three directions. It's great. Uh, I love it. And I don't play the force, but like, I love seeing the models. It's true. Uh, and for me, also, just, like, their fluff makes them compelling to exist. Because, like, they're ancient, right? And, like we said, they don't actually do the fighting themselves. The spires themselves, the alien themselves, the big honcho, is never in risk. He is remote putting his consciousness into an avatar on a battlefield. Um, so they've been alive for millennia. What do they want? Each one is individualistic? Who knows? Uh, what experiment are they trying to do? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, and that means that when they come down from their big towers, their literal spires, to do something in the world, they bring a mystery with it. Because what does this Aryan, like this alien mind want? <laughs> Imagine you were chilling in your city somewhere 
And then an odd species of like tentacled fish people came rolling down Main Street. And everyone was like, oh, God, they're going to go for the city center. They're going to go for the valuable place. And instead, what they went to was a junkyard that hasn't been in use for 80 years. You're scared, but you're also confused because you don't understand. Now you have to, like, wrap your head around what this thing wants, if not anything valuable. And every time the spires do anything, they cause mystery. And that's that's awesome. And thank God they didn't take the Golden Corral. Uh, I got you. <laughs> Speaking of golden something or other taking stuff back, we're going to talk about the Dwegum. Ooh, dwarf time. We, we can't call them dwarves. No, we cannot. They, no, get, we cannot. they get super mad about it's it. It's a whole uh, thing. Uh, but if we're going to talk to people, not to Dwegum, let's be honest. If you're going to look at them and go, wow, those are cool dwarves. And they are. Yeah, you're gonna go. Those are objectively the coolest looking dwarves. Why are those <laughs> power fire slayers? Album. But good. Um. Oh, that was spicy. Uh. Oh, well, I'm not wrong. Um. And it's true. They are. They look like dwarves on the tin. It's fair enough. Especially if you look at like hold warriors. They look like dwarf warriors. Sure. But there is more here. Um. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like for me, the fluff is kind of where you have to start with the wagon. Uh. Because dwarves are something that. In fantasy, let's be honest, we all have preconceived notions about. We, You see them everywhere. You, you see them in Lord of the Rings. You see them in World of Warcraft. You see them in D&D. You see them in Pathfinder. I mean, they're even like Disney movies with like the seven dwarves. Like dwarves are everywhere. They're mm-hmm. sort of omnipresent in our cultural mind. Um, and the best way to like anchor this is to set how they're different. Uh, here in the old times... Uh, there were dragons. And in this world, dragons were sort of like gods, celestial entities of incredible power uh, who were so powerful they made a whole race to serve them called dwarves. And they did everything to make the society function. They were crafters. They cleaned. They did the dishes, the laundry, Cinderella, Cinderella, Cinderella. Um, they did all the grunt work. Uh, and they were enslaved to these dragons for the entirety of their species, uh, which they know because they were given eternal memory. Eternal ancestral memory. So that they could better serve the dragons. But one day when they were mining, they dug too deep and they cracked open a chamber for what is essentially the horsemen war. War. The cosmic entity war. It was never supposed the to be. The concept of war. Like the primordial force of war and conflict. Uh, and they cracked that chamber. Uh, and then their whole destiny was changed. Uh, they were mutated. They were granted gifts. The incredible boons. And the power to shatter the chains that bound them. And they spread that gift to the others. They killed the dragons. In an incredible war of frenzied violence. Uh, but the society had to go on. And now they are sort of in an interim where they want more violence, but it's destroying them. And yeah, that's and it's, the Dwegum. It is a like power metal album of a faction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's true. It's true. They're metal as hell. Like you, you're going to 
We'll put it up on screen. Some of these dudes are so angry. They are set on fire from the inside and it consumes them. They also have some of like the coolest looking models. Like they have like uh, dragon slayers look like the most heavily armored, like doom slayer metal dwarf guy you've ever seen. Uh, They've got these drakes, which are basically sort of like dragons that are like, they have slapped guns and stuff too. Colossal cannons, magic cannons. Yeah. Yeah. Like it is, oh, it's so good. And like, they aren't warlike in a way that like corn is. They are warlike in a way that is structured and regimented and just a simmering level of conflict constantly. But they're also completely aware that it is destroying them. It is detrimental to themselves. Not all of them, but many of them. Like, yes. Uh, you know, th- it's, it's interesting. They live their whole lives, not for resources because they have like constructs that do all the work. Uh, they live their lives for Agum, which is like honor. Your deeds are remembered ancestrally. So it is mm-hmm. measurable how valuable you are in war to your clan. Do you have Agum? If you don't, you need to get it or your life is hell. You're in the lowest caste. If you have it, now you need to watch out because someone below you might be trying to kill you to take it. What do you do? You're crushed in between. Uh, it, that's that's sick. It's really sick. Um, on the tabletop, I think they also they play out really as you might expect. Um, I would argue like this is a faction I really really am wanting to get into. I'm like trying to get some models now. Um, they are the epitome of slow and steady wins the race. Uh, where they like deliberately move up the board uh, and they have to make their picks well because they don't have movement tricks. However, what they give up in movement tricks, they get back in flexible combat tricks that you can use to kind of push the battle a little bit when it comes to fighting and also a high defense value generally across the board, which makes them hard to move off of a point once they're on it. And pretty decent damage, and in many instances, high rend or like armor penetration. Mm-hmm. Um, also, some scary magic. They do get scary magic. I also think that they are a pretty good example of a hammer and anvil force, mm-hmm. which is funny because they're basically dwarfs, where you have like tough units that want to soak up a bunch of the damage and like gum up the lines and have your hammers go in and systematically smash the stuff that you won't, don't want your opponent to have anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do that in different ways. Uh, they don't really have cavalry, but they have, like, for instance, we talked about Dragon Slayers, which are this really tough unit of just high damage output, like, infantry. Uh, you have the big giant Drake that has t- cannons on it that it shoots, which is really good. That's really cool. Or big um, constructs, like uh, Steelforged, which are, like, dwarves that are so souped up on power that they pilot these, like, magic mech suits to, like, yeah. batter foes down. In big and, armored suits. Or like uh, the Tempered Sorcerers, which like utilize this massive fire magic they throw at these massive fireballs downrange. So if you're looking for something that's a little bit more like straightforward and looks to be what it is on the tin, um, that's what Dwegom is. Like it is a whole lot of, I throw fireballs, I uh, apply very simple buffs to things. I The, the fundamentals of the army and I do well. But if you... Get outmaneuvered, you probably lose. Or if you misplace, uh, you probably lose. Yeah. Uh, yep. Which is a th- like, it's a thing. And it gets into what I think is so cool about Dwegum. Um, 
in terms of all of these factions, I feel like Dweg does what I would call playing some like real honest wargaming <laughs> in terms yes. of the faction design. Like, what am I going to do to you? Well, this unit of shielded dwarves are going to walk onto that objective. We're going to lock our shields together and you're going to try to move me. And I'm not going to let you. Like, it's it's very telegraphed. It's very straightforward. It's not a surprise. Or this unit of big, two-handed, halberd-wielding muscle dwarves that look like the cover of Doom Eternal. Uh, they're going to try to walk at you and then stab you. Hard. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, okay. I like to put it in a... I like to put it in a way of like it's a faction that likes to pose questions to your opponent and ask them if they have answers. <laughs> like like here's a thing that is really tough to deal with. Do you have an answer? No? Okay. I'm probably going to win. But, but okay. Uh and like secondarily for me, like it it's not my favorite. I'm going to put it as an honorable mention just cuz it's a little thing and I really like dwarves. Um in other settings, like the slow dwarf trope is often done through just like, oh, if the average guy moves six inches, dwarves move three inches or four inches. And that's how they do slow dwarf trope. Uh, here, they don't. Like Dwarves move at a steady like five inch move. Some humans do too in armor. Um, but Instead, what they do to show the slow dwarf trope is they don't give them movement shenanigans, which are pretty mm -hmm. common throughout other armies. You don't get to do a whole lot of like free reforms. You don't get to do a whole lot of playing with the reinforcement line and like vanguarding stuff in or flanking stuff in to like drown people in early activations and like come onto the board early and early board pressure. Like a lot of those tricks just aren't in your army, which makes you feel slower, but you're not just minus two inches to your move across the board slow, which is some like really right. nice inspired design. Yeah, it's it's very unique and interesting. I think a much more nuanced way of handling it than just going like, yeah, move half as fast as everyone. Like, and I get that urge from game designers. I, I get it. It's it's the first one you would think of, but I just, I'm glad that they went a little further and it's a little more interesting. So like, shout out. And also, uh, I think like the coolest thing for me for Dragon Right, it's real real simple. Um, is the Dragon Slayers? I think they're the coolest. They're unit. so sick. Like I, I like I know a lot of people love the Drakes and like they do look cool and like I get it. A lot of people like the Tempered Sorcerers and I get it. But like for me, there's two things in that faction that really just speak to me about how cool they look, and that is whole Ballistae because it's just guns behind a shield wall, which is awesome. Crossbows and, behind uh, a shield wall, even cooler. Uh, yeah, even cooler. Um, I love Dragon Age Inquisition. Yeah, and Dragon Age too. Um, but on top of that, it is the Dragon Slayer's aesthetic looks awesome, right? They look like dudes who individually each will go and kill a dragon. Mm -hmm. Um, now granted, they do the, do it in groups, but like they are just so cool looking. Uh, their pole arms, their armor, all of it. They just they look amazing. And I I saw pictures of them online it was like oh wow that looks cool and then i saw them in person uh one of the guys i we i played in the last league game was playing dragon slayers and he whooped my ass with them but they looked great like they looked so cool like i'm sitting there dying to it i'm like man those still like, those look so cool i love them those are pretty good, awesome like i gotta say i got i gotta say nope <laughs> <laughs> yeah like the design is so good how do you not love it exactly 
But now, after Dwegholm, right? You double stack the factions I play? Yeah. One after the other? Yeah. I'm going to make you talk about this. The Nords. Okay. Uh, the Nords are a little easier uh, because, like, I feel like everyone understands the idea of, like, raiders from the north. Frozen raiders from the north. Um, and a lot of it actually holds true here. Like, where with the Dwegum, they really play against type in some ways. Um, here, they sort of lean into it and instead just give it a cool twist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fluff-wise, uh, the Nords are living in a post-apocalypse from their religion. Uh, they be- they believe that much like uh, you know actual Norse myth that you probably are familiar with from games like God of War and stuff uh, that there was uh, warriors being taken by the gods to be turned into like Einjarhar, which I hope I'm pronouncing right. Uh, if I'm not, please someone correct me. Um, that are going to be like a- more than men and would be in the army of the gods and help the gods come down from the world tree and fight in Ragnarok, uh, and then the call didn't happen, and the gods died. The world tree burned, and hum- and the Nords are living in that post-apocalypse. Um, in actuality, it's all a big spires plot. It's just, they're spires. Yeah. The gods are just spires, and the Nords didn't know any better. They were being experimented on. Yeah, it's a, it's a massive alien plot by the spires, and like a combination of them and another smaller group that we're going to, we'll get into in a much later time um, that her, that that like is an evolving narrative that is still like adding, getting added to more and more. It is not settled. It is not done. They're adding more and more to this narrative of like the unique twist on like Norse mythology. Yeah. Um, it's very neat. It's very cool. And also it has allowed for them to do stuff like where like hundred kingdoms are like dudes and you would think Nords are just going to be like, oh, dudes, but Vikings. No, they're dudes, but Vikings, but also with ice giants and ogres. And animals. And, and animals and-, and trolls and like all sorts of like weird little critters and monsters they add with it. Even like werewolves and stuff is a thing that started coming out. And all of that is a response to the experimentation. The Yes. The TLDR is that all of these, this whole society was experimented on to where like, they're, they will mutate subconsciously to their thoughts, and that was not finished because the spires, like, died in a civil war, and now they're unstable. So everyone is a little feral, <laughs> and you get different sort of, like, subspecies of Nords, uh, and they try to survive in a frozen wasteland where there's very little resources. So they have to come south to raid. Uh, and on the tabletop, this is where... This is the one where I'm going to pump the brakes pretty hard for these descriptions because I feel like we've kind of been able to describe a lot of the factions pretty quickly in description because, like, we're not breaking from mainline understanding very much. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with a lot of the assessment, at least at the high level, of some of the other factions. Uh, but the Nords, uh, when I first got into this game, were described to me a lot. And especially some of the videos are, like, a year old now, maybe a little older, when I looked for, like, Nord stuff to learn as Glass Cannon Army. And maybe that was the case at the time. I'm sure, like, people were right. They only had one faction ability, and that faction ability essentially said, uh, if you get hurt, you hit harder, and if you get real hurt, you re-roll all your hits. And that I'm sure that makes them very hammery. Uh, but just like a month ago, uh, the Nords got updated, and now they don't have that same faction ability. They actually 
Uh, they now get some extra attacks uh, when they're a little hurt, but they no longer get to really like turn on and turn it to 11. Uh, instead, we the Nords were handed some uh, two extra faction rules uh, where you now get bonuses for charging. If someone else is already engaged, you, you get to ignore some terrain and play with that. And I think when that happened, the Nord playstyle has fundamentally changed. And if you were maybe listening to us after listening to some other videos, I really wanted to take the moment to like stop and try to update you in case you're wanting a glass cannon faction. Uh, you know, Nords might not be that for you now. Uh, and John, please disagree with me if you need to, because you have played against my Nords a lot now. But um, on the table, what I think they now do is uh, I would describe them as a pressure force where you are trying to move up and apply pressure in targeted locations and threats to an opponent. And you use various uh, movement tricks, combat tricks, and deployment tricks, as well as being able to set up on terrain or ignore terrain to trade up using units that you wouldn't expect to do so against larger foes. And to just like through momentum, push an opponent over. Yeah, it comes off very much like uh, I'm going to position really really well and use that positioning to gain slight advantages over my opponent and then leverage that into victory not like i'm gonna throw this massive hammer at you hit you hard enough that you can't clap me back and then i'm going to use that strategy two or three times over yeah to win a game like instead it is just playing smart getting good positions gaining advantages and using that to win um which is a very unique strategy. Um, it's a hard army to play, I think. It's got a bit of a higher skill floor, I would say. But I think that it's ultimately very rewarding. Yeah. Um, and I think what, what what makes that interesting with Nords is that they have so many units that are so unique, that all do different things, that allow you to pick individual units similar to like spires but instead of comboing you're like oh this is this specific tool right yeah you don't have a whole lot of like 10 millimeter sockets you got like a whole lot of very unique tools mm -hmm. and you need to figure out a way to fix the engine so to speak and i i do think that can maybe make it a little hard when you start learning lord knows it did for me until stuff started clicking because it just wasn't matching with what i was told to expect uh, but once i sort of shifted my perspective I started doing quite well. Um, and that's a thing. And if you're looking for that, uh, boy, howdy, you're going to get it. It gives you the fantasy. Um, for me, like what I think is really, really cool about Nords is I'm just going to like, I'm going to put it out there. Honestly, like y'all, I grew up as like a, a three wolf moods kid. Like I'm a walking bestiary for all of these games we have ever played. I love monsters. I adore monsters in everything we ever do. I don't like in my favorite IPs are some that are monster forward, like The Witcher. We're really like the monsters of the stars. Um, and I just I can't help but like collate that lore. I'm drawn to it. I'm sure there's something I can work out in therapy about it. Um, but like I just I love monsters. Uh and this faction, in my opinion, does Monster Mash uh, more interestingly and more compellingly than any other faction I've played. I mean, you could have 
a big hero who's a werewolf with a sword running around with werewolves and then also like giving buffs to dire wolves. You could have big stompy Uger. You could then have literal giants backing them up. There's some other beast packs that aren't released yet, but we're going to get even more of those feral like units that are there to help mm. synergize and bring down a foe. It's just feral. So, it's wild. It's amazing. For me, the most interesting thing about Nords is that they are, from what I've seen in most fantasy settings, probably some of the best represented and unique Norse faction, right? Oftentimes, it is really easy for games to go, oh, yes, they're just like dudes with axes and like round shields. A lot of fur. Ships with like ice magic or like maybe maybe a giant or two. Yeah. That's not this. Like, this is very unique and has a unique twist without losing what makes that original setting cool. Um, the best way I can kind of explain it is it reminds me a whole lot of the God of War video game. Like, where they changed it and made it unique and interesting, but still familiar, if you mm -hmm. know that mythology. Um, feels that way here, and it's very, very cool. So, for me, it's not even necessarily the models or the gameplay it's 100% the lore here is interesting and unique and keeps changing. And, like, their big antagonist faction has yet to come out yet in uh, a faction called Hell that I'm looking at simply because I like their story and I want to see the... I want to be the villains for, for Joe. Um, Hell yeah! <laughs> but it, but it's it's awesome. And, like, I feel that way because of the lore. Yeah. And that's that's the best part for me. Yeah, rather than right now where you're kind of playing my brother faction in the Wadroon. You're like, I want to eat. And I'm like, I want a house. <laughs> and through our powers. Well, yes. Through our powers combined, maybe we could do this. Millennial crisis. Let's go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got to yeah, pay so, rent. You've got to find food. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to dive right in and start talking about Wadroon. Because this is my faction. Um, and similar to Joe, like I probably had an expectation going in that is probably going to be different than the expectation that you should have. Um, you're going to look at the models and you're going to, wow, those are monster trucks. That is not necessarily the case. Because <laughs> um, what the Drunar is like a big top-level summary, and I'll get into more specifics, is they are orcs riding dinosaurs. That's true. Objectively it's true. Objectively is objectively awesome. It is all is it's cool so as hell. Sick. You have seven foot tall orc ladies riding velociraptors, and like I don't know how to tell you if you don't think that's cool. I don't know if you don't hear what? that sentence and go ooh, then this ain't for you. Like it's that's yeah. okay. That's okay. We all have different things we like. But for the people who just heard that, went what? <laughs> like yeah, y'all. Uh -huh. Yeah, and like now that I have your attention, let me tell you about how sad these guys are. <laughs> Because the Rudrun are so sad. They are a spire-created race. Like, they're entirely created by the spires. You know, these evil aliens that have been ruining everyone's lives. And they were built specifically for war. Mm -hmm. Like, to be shock ground troops that would be able to just be self-sufficient and run in through a war zone for the spires. Without little to no intervention. So they just didn't have to spend their time on it. I mean... How lovely. Yeah, how good for them, I guess. Um, and eventually, they were able to break away from the Spires through uh, these four, like, leaders who all represented different aspects of, like, 
divinity in the system. Uh, famine, death, war, and conquest. Um, during that rebellion and that escape, the Dwegom were also attacking the Spires. And so they were able to use that time to get out, but they had to fight both sides on their way out into the wastelands. And doing so left them with only one conquest. The single mm-hmm. conquest is the only leader they have left, their matriarchal queen. And now they have found an oasis in the wastelands that they have set up as a, for their society, where they are slowly trying to form a culture and a society and the ability to do things with. But there's a problem. The spires built in a failsafe to prevent them from being able to be self-sufficient for too long. And that is, they require four times the amount of calorie input as any other race in yeah. They cannot sustain themselves with food, so they have to take farmlands and food from other factions in order to continue living. And so they have to do this with as little casualties as possible, because if they start taking a ton of casualties, they will not be able to sustain their race that is so new. It's they're just and they're so, so balanced on a knife's edge it currently. And especially yes. so considering they're in the wastes, which as you would expect are arid and not suitable for farming and for the species who needs it the most. And luckily, um they were able to find like a common cause with the dinosaurs that they have now like bonded with in which they bond with not as like livestock or like horses for humans but they truly bind with in like communication and like they they communicate in a way that is unique to them they're companions like, rather than yes. pets uh which is fascinating and very cool but this makes them a very unique faction that has to play differently than just I smash stuff, right? Because you want to sell that narrative of this, like, very careful guerrilla tactics kind of force that isn't just I smash stuff. So the big thing with Rodrune is that they play to tempo and momentum mm-hmm. with, like, using glass cannons. So they'll, like... They'll build up to these big moments, utilize that big moment really well, and then it'll tone back down. And then it builds back up, and then boom, and then tones back down, and then builds back up, and then boom. So you kind of want to time your tempo with your opponent, which has led to them being a very weird faction to play. If you mostly play orcs and dinosaurs in other games, uh, this you combine the two of them, and you somehow get an army that plays like an elf army. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, is cool once you know it's the thing, but it's probably not what you expect. Yeah, and so maybe go into there expecting that this is a little bit more cerebral of an army and not quite so a uh, I smash stuff on repeat army. But it is rewarding and super fun. I will say that like I have played about 10 to 12 games of Wadroon, and every single game I learn more and I'm gaining more like knowledge. The, the floor for skill is much higher, but every game feels like I'm learning and it feels really good to keep learning how to play the faction. And because of the way their army rule works, where it's so diverse in what you can do, it feels like you can play the army a thousand different ways, which if that's what you're looking for out of like a single force, I think Wadroon is really, really, really good. Also, dinosaurs and orcs riding them are rad. It's so cool. Yeah, it's it's just, it's sick. Like, I thought this would be a kind of, like, easy faction to play. Like, yeah, you push your toys up the board, 
and you 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 fight stuff, but like it's a struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when like you have these big communal chants when they pop, huge buffs, wow. Uh, but the chants pop off when you hit a limiter, you don't get mm-hmm. a choice. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are going to be board state considerations for wh- what order you want to activate in. But there's also going to be ideal chant activation orders that you want to activate in. And rarely are they going to perfectly align and you have to try to like parse through which you give more weight to at the given time uh, and how you you navigate it. And uh, that makes a skill ceiling that is in the stratosphere. Uh Yes. But if you pull it off with the enough experience, wow, does this army feel cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, it is very, very neat. And for me, that's my shout-out. Like, other than just, like, dinosaurs, which are awesome. And also, uh, they put feathers on their dinosaurs for, like, the T-Rexes and the Raptors, and I am pro-dinosaur feather. We're taking a firm stance on the channel and Kentucky Fried Wargaming. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just speak for the whole team. We're pro-dinosaur feathers, Okay. Don't yes. give me purely scale nonsense, and you're giving me sort of late period dinosaurs. We know there are feathers. Give us feathers. Make them cool. I demand Speaking it. Speaking of feathers on dinosaurs, I think that they also have the coolest looking Tyrannosaurus Rex miniature out of all of these games. Um, in the Apex Predator, where it has feathers, and you can have people ride it, and it just it looks objectively cool, and uh, I'm getting one. Like, within a few weeks. It's mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. It's going to be mine. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong, they did changes, but it sort of gives me Archaeopteryx vibes, and uh, they just sort of, like, scaled up some of the inspiration onto a big old T-Rex, and it's it's incredible. It's mint. It looks great painted up, and it's terrifying on the tabletop. Um, but yeah, for me, like, the big sell is that they have just, like, that colossal skill ceiling. Uh, it's not something everyone wants, uh, but there are players who badly, badly desire that sort of challenge, and this gives it to you in an mm-hmm. interesting and unique way. So, like, huge shout-out, even though it's not for me. All right, John. Old Dominion. Yeah? This one's hard. This one's real hard. So, neither of us play Old Dominion, but our audio editor does. uh, And my roommate, Seth, he plays Old Dominion, and he has gotten into it, and he loves it. So, I've played plenty against it, and I know about the faction a ton. But... Unfortunately, they are a newer faction. Um, I think our last two are probably the newest factions in Conquest, so they have the least concrete lore and stuff to go off of, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to do our best to try to explain these in a way that makes sense long term and not just how they currently are. Yeah. Uh, so Old Dominion, right? They are an ancient undead race at this point. Um, that n- not always were. They were originally a f- group of humans who spawned a god and then over time expanded their empire across the continent and then went to war with their god and l- lost but also won. Like, they did what they wanted to do, but the cost was astronomically high. Um, destroyed their empire, absolutely obliterated their society, killed a ton of people, and left the vast majority of them as undead, unable to move on to their next life. And fundamentally changed who they are as people, and fundamentally changed their entire society. And to a degree, we're not entirely sure of its extent yet. 
because we're slowly learning about it over time through Conquest and Parabellum's really cool living world system. Yeah, uh, like it seems like at first that most of them are mindless. However, you get these little flashes of like their memories underneath the surface and some of these generals, especially the leaders. But when they speak, their whole army speaks with them. Like in a moment of we are legion, we are many. Like their yeah. their minds are almost meshing together in a little local gestalt um, to bring death to those near them, to like bring the cosmic oblivion to those who from whence were born of it. Uh, and this is the, like that fall is what created the hundred kingdoms that we talked about earlier. Like that's where the hundred kingdoms ran from. <laughs> is yeah. I think that if, event. If, if the spires are sort of the thing that has impacted the world the most, when it comes to like Nords and Wadroon, I think old dominion is a close second for impacting the world because of their existence. Like there are so many factions that have a tie to old dominion and what they did and their own hubris causing consequence for the entirety of the continent that it is hard to put into small words. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's cataclysmic. Like they went to war with a God and whether you win or lose the collateral of that event is always going to be horrific. I mean, it's just gonna be. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in one where it was a Pyrrhic victory all around, uh, meaning it was messy, messy. Uh, um, and that creates effects. Not good ones, but effects. Yes. Uh, where I'm more confident, though, is on the tabletop. Like, Yeah, and like the vibe, right? Like, Oh, because the, the vibe, vibe is great. It's so yeah. good. It's undead necromancy meets Roman legions, the army. Right, like it has Roman cavalry, Roman phalanx, like groups, like all of it. It like screams Rome to you, and if you love that, oh boy, you're gonna love this. Yeah, it gets uh, and like some Ottoman inspirations from the east, and like Gallic inspirations yeah. from the Western Roman Empire. Like it's it's awesome, and it it does have some very pretty models. Oh, some of the models are so good looking. Uh, it, yeah. It's phenomenal. But on the tabletop, Joe, uh, give us your observations. At low point values, big horsies, too good. Um, No. Uh, somewhere our audio editor is screeching. Uh, He accidentally, at like a small, tiny, tiny point level game, blew half my army off the board in one activation. It felt awful. It was rough. Uh, in his defense, he didn't know it would do that. I didn't know it would do that. All of us checked the rule book multiple times to see if it was actually supposed to do that, and it did it. Uh, yeah, it was just a series of unfortunate events. It was terrible, it was terrible. But now we know how to get around it. Uh, on the tabletop, though, generally speaking, uh, they're tied to death. Uh, they they walk forward. They similarly don't have a lot of movement tricks uh, uh, as like a hole in the force. Uh, and they want to walk up onto objectives and get stuck in, and they want to start grinding. Because mm-hmm. uh, for them... Their big faction mechanic is that as more of their stuff dies, more like the death energy that is keeping everything animated gets concentrated. So the more that stuff dies, the more concentrated the death energy becomes in the stuff that's alive. And they get more and more and more additive buffs as the game goes on, as more Mm -hmm. stuff of theirs dies. So they really, really want to move up the board. They want to get stuck in and they want to start grinding it out and you're going to kill their stuff and that's fine with them. 
because what's coming behind it is going to now be better. Uh, and they have ways of recurring some of that stuff back, which is super interesting. Not like whole units, but like stands, like individual models, two units. Enough to make it frustrating where they need you to. Uh, mm-hmm. So you might start grinding in like three locations and then realize, oh, actually, I kind of need this middle one to hold. I don't want it to fully die. I need it to just kind of like hold for a minute. Okay, I'm going to start bringing back some legionnaires over there. Some like skeletons, zombie soldiers. Cool. Stand back a few of them. That's going to give me just enough time to bring in my big horses or to bring in my bone golems or uh, to bring in the big threat pieces that back that up. Uh, They've got some good magic buffs that can also feist things up a bit and give them some access to stuff. Uh, They ignore leadership across the board, which uh, is colossal in this game. It's it's huge. I mean, half of the damage of the game is almost half of the damage in the game is leadership based and they ignore all of it. Uh, And normally the downside of that is they cannot get inspired. That's not really true. And if you really get into this action, you'll find it. You can find you stumble into inspired a lot. It's one of the things you can Mm -hmm. do as you as your stuff dies. Um. So really, it's a late game force, and yeah, it's it's a late game force that can kind of like accelerate themselves there early at the like by trading in some pieces. Uh, but really, like it is a faction that you have to think on when you're playing against. You can't just be like, "Oh, you're on three fronts. I'm gonna go to all three fronts." Sometimes you're like, "I I can't. I gotta pick two and hammer. I gotta stack, stack hard, and just try to out objective them." Uh, cause if you try to grind out with them, unless you are a very particular type of force, you're going to struggle because that's really like their bread and butter. Um, and if you're someone who's into the idea of like necromancers, maybe you're into like soul black grave lords or something like that from age of Sigmar, you're going to feel that influence here. The heroes are important. They're impactful. They got a lot of cool synergy of buffs, but you don't have speed. Yep, and they have gorgeous models, and they're going to have even more models coming out soon. So, like, I think that it is it is a faction that very much, because they just came out, if you are wanting something to, like, get into at the ground level, Old Dominion. Get yep. into it, it's probably going to do you well for a long time. Yeah, that's entirely true. Uh, and for me, like, that is my shout-out. Like, I the models. It's the models. Like, some stuff I've mm-hmm. shouted out for, mech, for, like, mechanics. Some stuff I've shouted out for fluff. Uh, here it's, it's the minis, like, uh, every one of these that I've had set up across from me on the table looks incredible. Yeah. Like it it is a unique take and I'm going to agree with you here. It's models for me. It's a unique take on undead. Like they very easily could have done like the normal Gothic undead. Um, they just didn't Like they just decided to take a very unique route and it is, it, it drips with flavor and opulescence and like a moral and things behind it that combines to a truly unique undead style faction that you don't get to see a lot anymore. A lot of times undead just looks like the rest of undead stuff. And this doesn't. This has very unique vibes. And I think it really adds to the world of Conquest. And it doesn't even necessarily look the same across the board, which is also part of what makes me like it so much. Like, yeah, it's... Uh, like, let's be honest, it's reminiscent of Rome. Like, it's reminiscent of this giant mm-hmm. empire that expanded hugely into whole different cultures. <laughs> uh, just, like, across a continent where people have different designs and armors and weapons and influences. Uh, and these legionnaires are base and at the core of, like, 
the old Dominion Empire. They look pretty standard. But like the big two-handed axe dudes who are almost wielding Dane axes, they look like they're influenced by cultures you might expect to be mm-hmm. in sort of the Gallia area or Eastern Rome where you're starting to get into like Ottoman areas. Um, you're like Cataphractoi is a good example. Uh, it's just, it's subtly through good art design tells the story of an empire that was huge and got too big for its britches. And all of that varied armor then being on rotting corpses speaks to the decay of that strategy. Uh, and that's just like, it's a little thing and maybe other people ain't seeing it. But for me, I just, I'm a narrative person and I can't help but love it every time I look at them arrayed yeah, together. I, I think it's there. Like, I think it's there and it's pretty good. Just a huge fan. And also like the fallen divinity, like up for one of the coolest models ever. Yeah, for sure. She's terrifying. She's sad. She's tragic. It's, it's wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful piece. And it can be painted in so many different ways, and I can't wait to see how everyone paints them. Like they're like phenomenal. Uh it's just it's delightful. Uh now we get into the newest faction in Conquest. City States. Uh, City States. And this is what I think is cool, but like if there is not a lot on Old Dominion, there is even less on City States because they just haven't had time to put it out yet. Like it mm-hmm. Factions don't roll out with all of their story in depth in a day. Uh, so this is going to be fairly high level, but just like work with us. I'm sure in a year or two time, like there's going to be a lot more here. Um, but the city states from a high level, uh, they were a competitor nation to the old dominion. Uh, and a, an incredibly uh, in, intelligent and inspired leader uh, Saul what was happening in the old dominion and discovered the secret of divinity and the, the truth of this world that gods don't exist the way we might think of them as just like, and then there was light and God existed. Like, uh, gods are made through the thoughts of people. Uh, and that if you have enough starter seed, you could kind of make your own homegrown gods, so to speak. Uh, and seeing grassroots gods. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, seeing what was going to happen in the old dominion and people trying to go to war with their God. He thought, Oh God. Oh, Oh gods. This is going to get bad. <laughs> Whoever wins, this is going to be bad. I have to prepare. Uh, so he made a plan to make a number of city states. Each one that was going to, at the heart of their city, have a God there a god that would be cultivated by the people and then kept in balance and harmony through uh, three different representative subgroups of like the population and the general people and their voice, uh, a church and the spiritual, and then uh, a scholar with the intelligent and the, uh, the scholars, those of the mind. Uh, and that if he could put the checks and balances in place, these cities would be beautiful, balanced, organized bastions and what he thought could be an almost apocalyptic event that was coming. Unfortunately, the apocalyptic event was as terrible as he feared. Uh, and it also came earlier than they were ready for. Uh, and the cities are not like the gods were not made as cleanly as was hoped and the cities are not as perfectly balanced as you would hope. They skew and some of them 
The populist group has risen up and killed the other two, and others, the church rules with an iron fist. Uh, in the third, everything is sort of like intellectual debate, but they never have like the wherewithal or wisdom to question their own like circumstances or opinions. Uh, and that creates cities that are each unique and unstable, as are their individual gods. Um, and that leads to an interesting. Uh, sort of contrast to the old Dominion that were a colossal expansionist empire that fell, and now you have, uh, let's be honest, models that are like Greek that haven't fallen, but are in decline. And uh, for me, I think that's what makes the, the city-states cool, is that each of these cities is individualistic, and as like a player, you can play with that. Yeah, there's like a build-your-own-city aspect to it that like... Provides a deep well of create like creative play. Yeah, yeah, and I think eventually they might turn these sub factions, like the different three text balances, into like mechanics that you get buffs from, depending on choices you make in this building, like they did with the Dwegum. Uh, yeah, you know, because with Dwegum there are similarly three sub factions, uh, and that are like warring for the heart of the Dwegum, and depending on who you pick, you get bonuses. Uh, that could be a thing here. Who knows? It's just too early to say. Uh, but from a player perspective, you have a lot of agency here to make your own city the way you like it, the way you want it, and then express that in your models. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's also very unique compared to pretty much every faction of every other fantasy game is you don't see often a lot of classic Greek-style stuff out in these factions. Um which is what this is. Like this is classic Greek dudes. If that is your is that is the thing you want, you have this in spades. It's just I mean, the base units, the hoplites. Like Yes. They're fantasied up some, but they're they're hoplites. And like they're monsters like Minotaurs, right? Like And I mean it Parabellum's a Greek company, so if anyone's gonna be able to do this well, it's gonna be a Greek company, obviously. Uh yes. And, um, and their their god models like in Hephaestus and uh, what's the other one? Uh, Hephaestus has the hammer, and the other has a big trident. I don't know its name. Yeah, but they um, all like both those models. They they are not like oh super flamboyant. Like they look like massive statues, and they have like machines that like help them move. Like it's oh, it's so good. Um, but it's good in a way that looks classical and like clean, and not in a way that looks like over the top like it's hard to hard to put in words but it's very cool and like take a look at the models like they might grab you because they're unique in the world of wargaming yeah there's like that there's some cool magic automata happening there uh it's some inspirations from almost like gear punk if that's a thing like not steam mm -hmm. but gears cogs stuff like that that's like machine work and clockwork under the surface even in some of like implants and stuff you could see on the table um and on the table is where I think city-states is really interesting. Um, like, they have access to some ranged units, and they have access to a cavalry unit now. Um, but what I really think city-states pressure hard is they pressure infantry well. Like, they are the most infantry-based force, in my opinion, generally speaking. And maybe that's just because as we record this, it's mostly an infantry army. That could change over time, but... Their infantry excels and can really make their plan work on the battlefield. 
mm-hmm. so they use whole phalanxes of really rock solid troops. Uh, and then they have rules that let you do strategic ploys and play with the activation sequence in ways that no other faction can do right now. Uh, and then they use those tricks and those solid phalanxes to then play the objectives incredibly well. And they could str- like they could strategically chart a path to victory in most situations with a clever general. Yeah, and I think they also have the ability to, in the middle of a game, maybe get hit with something they didn't expect and be able to flex into that really easily. Um, like they can adapt really well to a changing environment in a game mm-hmm. that makes them unique to even play against because you're like, ah, oh, I can like tip the scales in my favor and then just keep going. They're really good at breaking momentum because they can just go, oh, I see what you're doing and I'm going to take away the ability for you to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Your move. They are very strategic, like back and forth army. Well played. Here's my rebuttal. Like, it's, yeah, like it's a debate stage, the army. You know, I, I grant you that point, but have you considered? Um, I, I like, again, I don't know if this is necessarily the sort of flavor everyone wants, but there are some people out there who love strategy, who are listening to this and going, oh, I, I think chess is cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm really into some very niche uh, YouTube historical war channels that, hmm, I could get some gas out of here. Uh, and, like, you, you feel that in the force. Uh, if you don't have a plan, you're going to go in and you're probably going to get wrecked. But if you come in with some thought, with just a little bit of foresight, uh, you can, like, snatch victory from the jaws of defeat here mm-hmm. by just outthinking yeah. and outstrategying an opponent. Uh, and I think that's awesome. It's cool. And especially uh, large unit formations. I don't feel like a lot of factions do. At least I haven't seen a lot of them uh, in Conquest. Like big blobs of guys. There's some reinforced units, but not whole formations, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like it's hard to maneuver them around on the table in a rank and flight game. Because uh, that's a lot of people to try to coordinate. But like for me, one of the things I really think is cool about city-states is... They, through the abilities like Phalanx and with support tricks where you get to add more dice to the fight, even if you're not in the front, to like stab spears over your allies' shoulders at the shield wall and try to help out from the back, which other units struggle to do, you can take big units. Uh, And then secondarily, they play into it with uh, fluid reformations. Like it's in other factions, let's be honest, and historically it is hard to like give out orders to reform whole units of soldiers because there's no walkie-talkies. There's there's no way to like disseminate that information well in a hectic battlefield, especially in a large regiment of troops. Uh, historically, it's hard to even get them to like turn exactly the way you want, much less to like reform into some new confangled formation. But for the city-states, they've drilled it so hard, they're so efficient, they're so practiced, they could take these big blobs that for other factions would be a huge detriment, and at any point they need to, with some tricks, reform them into a formation that helps more in the moment. What they need in them, that second, as yeah. opposed to what other groups would have to do. And that's such a cool way of selling the like phalanx regimented strategy fantasy. 
Yeah, and I think the thing for me that really, uh, it's like to add on to that, that I really like about City States is the ability to do mixed regiment squads where you can take like minotaurs and put them with hoplites, Ooh. right? Like you can mix them together and then you can then also have fluid reform with those. So you can be like, I'm going to start with my hoplites in and then I'm going to switch on my turn to bring my minotaur in who's going to slam, right? Like it allows you to flip around and kind of like play with it. It's really good. It's really cool. And it just looks interesting, right? Like having mm-hmm. like, oh, here's like four stands of phalanx soldiers and their pet minotaur. <laughs> <laughs> and like, no. They, they had to bring their buddy, their battle cattle, their emotional support battle cattle with them. Their big pal. Yeah. Um, uh, n- no other faction could do that currently. Like regiments are one type. You know, if I bring out a unit of Huskarls, I can't switch in a stand of raiders. Like it's. And the other factions, you get what you get. But here, that's not the case. They work together. They're strategic and they're drilled. And that, ah, it's so good. So good. And you could even do tricky plays. So it's like, it's a light unit, but I got a medium minotaur in it. So I can actually get objectives as long as the minotaur is touching it. Because he could pick it up. Just tricky, tricky, tricky for days. Uh, and that's currently all of the factions out. There are others that are on the horizon. Sorcerer Kings is coming out in uh, sometime next year. We're recording this at uh, in like mid-December of 2023. Uh, Sorcerer Kings is coming out. It's beginning to come out sometime early to mid-next year. Uh, and then there are some other things on the horizon. John mentioned Hell as a sub-faction. Uh, also yes. the Dogs of War, I think. Yep, Dogs of War is one. Uh, Weaver Quartz is another one. Which are like the Wood Elf version of Spires, but less evil. Yeah. And like, at the time of recording, there is not enough information on any of those for us to add them in. Um, yep. So we're going to mention them. That there's more coming. You can be in the Discord and go to the Project 8 group chat if you want to like, look at the like the designs and stuff. There's no minis yet, but they have the concept art out so you can get a feel for the vibe currently. Uh, but that's everything where we stand now. And uh, I hope this is helpful for y'all if you got all the way through this. Uh, And if you have more questions, there are things that you want answered specifically on some of these factions. If there are factions you want us badly to drill down on individualistically in their own videos, or you have questions or mechanics or like just world questions, lore questions, mechanical questions, and you want this more casual approach to those things rather than like a competitive analysis, please y'all reach out. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, the comment section down below, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you want to send those, uh, I could promise you when we get requests, they go to the top of the list. (laughs) It just, it happens. Uh, what people want to see, we will give you. And, uh, we really just appreciate it because then we don't have to decide what we want to record for the day. You know, who likes to do that? And honestly, I just, I don't know. I want to do more conquest stuff and that gives me, uh, more ways to do it. Gives you an excuse to just do more conquest stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And hopefully y'all enjoy the game. If you get into it, uh, it's really delightful. Parabellum's great. All the lore is on the website. Uh, and hopefully it could give you a deeper dive if you need to. Uh, for now, that's been all of our opinions, bonafide and Kentucky fried. We'll see y'all in the next one.